Oh, yes. We're doing today's episode in style because it features an absolute champion in the sports world. She's a Florida native. She did some excellent work on the show Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge. But most recently, she reached a groundbreaking milestone by becoming the first ever Afro-Latina to host a show on NFL Network. That's right. We've got the new host of NFL Total Access, MJ Acosta Ruiz, here on the podcast. MJ, I am so stoked. Thank you for being a part of this. Oh, man, Greg, thanks for having me. This is exciting. Oh, it's so it's probably 10 times more exciting for me. Um, <laughs> I know that you just got married this year. Congratulations on that. That is fantastic. Thank you. I'm like a mega adult now. Like, things are getting real. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. So <laughs> Take your time. Oh, trust me. I'm taking as much time as I can. <laughs> <laughs> You received a big promotion, but also had to deal with the most unconventional offseason that the NFL world has ever seen. How's it been settling into the new season? Yeah, I mean, it's been nothing short of like a beautiful disaster, I think is the best way that I can say it, right? So we got into this new role. I moved from the Bay Area to Los Angeles and planned an elopement in about a week and a half, all at the same time. So. Um, on top of this very unconventional and unexpected off-season, all of that was mixed into it all at the same time. So I don't recommend it, but you know what? We're thriving. We're doing well. Thankfully, everybody is safe and healthy, and that's all we can really ask for. Yeah, as long as you land on your feet in the end. I think a beautiful disaster is a pretty nice way to describe it. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to ask, now that you're the host of Total Access, have you always been a big fan of football? I have. I mean, for as long as I probably early in my adolescence, my teenage years, I think high school uh, was really where I found the true love for American football. Uh, just going, you know, Friday night lights, going to games and pep rallies um, really kind of sparked that. And that went through uh, into my college years when I was a hurricane at for the University of Miami. Uh, and of course, into adulthood as a as a Dolphins fan, I cheered for the Dolphins, as you know, Greg. So um, it's always been a very big part of my life in one way or another. That's awesome. And now you are my favorite Dolphins fan because Jeff Darlington, who lives in South Florida and was on this podcast about six episodes ago, uh, he's good, but he's no host <laughs> of NFL Total Access. We trump um, Jeff Darlington again. I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's just a never ending thing. It never really goes away. <laughs> okay, but a more serious question is, were you nervous at all about pursuing a career in the football industry, given that it's not only such a competitive industry, but also historically been dominated by men? Yeah, I mean, I think the nervousness didn't come so much from whether I felt I had the ability or the gumption to do so. Um, it came so more because you know, it's, it's such an ever changing industry. And so you just never know if there's going to be a job available. So sustainability and livelihood, um, were sort of at the forefront of that, like, man, a, a career in television is very fickle. You just never know, like one, one news director can love you the next doesn't or like things can go bad and they lay off half the staff. So you just never know what can happen. And I think that's where the nerve set in. Like, 
am I really pursuing something that in the long run um, will be sustainable for me in, in, in just for my quality of life, right? But I think part of it is also just having the confidence in yourself and knowing that no matter what, you're going to be able to to maneuver a way to continue to work and be successful. And I think the longer I've been in this, the more it evolves. The digital platforms um, have really shown that there's so much more to conquer uh, within this space. For sure, for sure. And you mentioned how sometimes it's a good boss, sometimes someone, eh, maybe not so much. So do you feel like there was any point where because of your identity or because of the fact that you were a woman trying to talk about the NFL that you experienced some kind of judgment or dissent? Oh my gosh. I mean, yes. <laughs> uh, there are more times than I can count. You know, there were many times where people try to not only tell you, but then make you believe that you only got a position because you're a woman or because you're a minority or both, you know, God forbid it's because of the years of experience or uh, the amount of time you've invested in preparing yourself for it um, or the fact that you're disqualified for it. So it's really about tuning out the noise, the outside noise of the doubters and the haters and the people who truly are just uncomfortable because now there's someone who doesn't look like them who's shaking up what they consider to be the norm um, or what's acceptable sort of in their mind and their space. Um, and, you know, there's if you look at the landscape of just the NFL, for example, and the diversity in the players and certainly the diversity in the fans, there is room enough for everyone. Um, and not only is there room, but it's necessary to have those different perspectives um, and different contexts when you're talking about who is reflecting the audience. Like you, we should be able to see our audience, our players, and the people who are covering the game as well. Yeah, totally. And then, you mean, you just mentioned it right there with the NFL being such a giant community. So many players are not just on a roster, but staff members, mm -hmm. uh, production, you know, stadium workers. It's, it's a totally. pretty, it's a huge business. Uh, yeah. There's a reason that it makes a lot, a lot of money. Um, so I know that this whole total access thing is really new. Uh, it's been a really weird off season. Everyone has had a lot on their plate and things have changed, but have people reached out to you at all just during your young career and just said like, Hey, you've been such an inspiration for a woman and people of color. And I think it's really cool what you do. Like, have you gotten a lot of that, uh, positive feedback and maybe more so recently? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely increased recently, for sure. But um, it's still sort of surreal to me, because I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, we're all sort of learning as we go as, as things start to change and evolve. Um, and so it's really crazy to me to think that people sort of look up to me in that sense. But then I look back, I'm like, dang, I've been doing this for over a decade. Like there is a lot of knowledge and a lot of firsthand experience that I can impart. And as you know, Greg, I'm the first one to be like, let's chop it up. What do you want to know? I'm an open book. Um, and so there's been a lot more messages and I'm doing my best to sort of like reach out to everyone because I think it is important to make those connections, especially for people in this industry. I didn't have that option when I started, you know, 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, there wasn't really, I couldn't DM somebody on Instagram or hit them up on Twitter like this and, and sort of network. In that sense, you had to literally find people in person, exchange business cards, try to get an email address or just like go to an event and network. Um, and it was a lot tougher to sort of get through and, and get that advice. And people weren't as open with advice um, because there was still that mentality, especially amongst women, 
um, that there could only be one or there wasn't room for, for more than a couple women in the field. And I think that has changed drastically as well. Um, so I'm the first one to, to help, to help another sports gal out. But in just in general, I think we have, we all are sort of in this together. The sports landscape is so crazy, so unpredictable. Um, and I think that the more we all work in tandem, the better our coverage is, the better insight we get. And it only helps the fans even more. Yeah, I think you said that far better than I could have. And that is why she is the host <laughs> of Total Access. But you mentioned just like starting out how it was so weird trying to network and, uh, you know, some of the platforms that are so available to us today weren't as prevalent back then. Obviously, we know you're a stud on camera, but by nature, did you feel kind of shy and like you really had to push yourself out of the comfort zone to get people's contact and have conversations with people and try to just, uh, you know, be a face that people could recognize? Um, Not real. I mean, I feel like the, the networking part of it came pretty naturally to me. I think it comes from like, I come from uh, a Latino household. So like we... If it's one thing we can do is talk your ear off, right? So like I can I can go up to anybody and introduce myself. I think I you know what? I will put all of the credit on that on my mom, who the second we walked into I mean, name a family gathering. There was like a party every week, right? Um your job the second you walked through the door was to say hello to everyone. And like, not just like, oh, hi, everyone, we're here. Like, no, you go to each person and you introduce yourself. And so that has carried over my entire life. Like, you can't just walk into a space, especially if you don't know anyone, and not introduce yourself. So I was I was taught that it's just bad manners. So um, that has served me very well in this industry and in making connections and, and really networking with people. So never be shy to say hello to someone. I know, you know, now we're all buried in our phones, but it's okay. People will still look up. They'll still talk to you. All right, noted. And uh, honestly, that sounds like it sounds like a lot of fun. Like, remember the days when you could just gather with people? That was cool. What was that like? I can't even remember that. <laughs> oh man, I wonder if we're gonna hit a point where I actually forget because it seems like passing day is like a week. I know, I know. It's I mean, like the time continuum is just con- uh, always off. I I never know what day it is. It's awful. If not for like football games now, I'm like, oh, TNF. Great. It's a Thursday. Oh, Monday night football. Oh, cool. It's Monday. Otherwise, I'd be completely lost. I'm glad I'm not the only one who keeps track of days of the week by sporting events. <laughs> you are not the only one. And so before we get into actual sports and football, I just have to ask, because the Miami Heat are in the finals, I would imagine being a Dolphins fan. I don't know if you grew up following basketball as much, but are you stuck uh, yes. on the Heat? <laughs> Basketball was huge for my family, and um, the Miami Heat were actually the first real team that I sort of attached myself to. And then I was a sports reporter in Miami during the Big Three area, so Chris Bosh, D. Wade, and LeBron bringing all those championships. I mean, I covered all of that, so I'm very much a Heat fan, but I live in Los Angeles now, so this is very awkward. I think it's like for the best that we're sort of isolated, so I don't have to deal with a lot of like the haggling about this. Although on social media, I get plenty of it, but it, it's sort of crazy. I don't think anybody expected that the Miami Heat were going to make a finals appearance this year. I mean, Tyler Hero has just literally emerged as the hero and he's barely legal. I mean, it's insane to me. It's a very, very cool story. But those of us from Miami know firsthand the power that LeBron yields. So it's definitely going to be a very tough series. But that's what makes it exciting, you know? You just, just got to hang on for the ride. 
Yeah, the Miami Heat have been so fun. I mean, everyone was saying they seemed about one piece away from being a championship-worthy team. Turns out mm-hmm. that number was zero. Right. Uh, <laughs> the emergence of Tyler Hero was so great. Uh, I am also right there with you in rooting for the Heat because I'm stuck in Southern California, also surrounded by Lakers fans. My own oh, roommate is a Lakers gosh. fan. And you know, having spent the first chunk of my life in Oakland, obviously I'm a Warriors fan. Right. But then they had a total nothing year. So then I got really attached to the Denver Nuggets because of what they were doing. And then my heart got broken there. So now I'm just ride or die with the heat. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it, Greg. We will get through this together. I might be the only one who's saying that Kendrick Nunn is going to have a total resurgence because now that Drogic is out, I'm like, no, 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 oh, no. I Kendrick know. Nunn's back. Like, it's all on him now. These injuries are killing us, literally. Yeah, injuries are rough. Injuries are rough. But, you know, the bubble's been weird. So mm-hmm. maybe there's still time for a miracle. You never know. I mean, at this point, expect the unexpected. That's what I've learned. Yeah, I mean, Lakers fans have already declared it over, so that's great. Literally, yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, moving in to the football side of things, these last couple years, you spent a lot of time with the 49ers and the Raiders. And after getting to know some of them and the staff, do you have a favorite player or staff member, I guess, just after getting to know some of the personalities? Oh my gosh, that's a really tough question, man, especially on the staff side, because, you know, you spend so much time um, at the facilities and at practice and, you know, game days, you're there super late, like just getting things done or super early um, beforehand. So you really do um, sort of build these relationships with the staff members there. So, I mean, it's hard for me to pick um, on each team, but like, you know, the PR staff, obviously we work so closely with them. Um, as reporters and and hosts um so you know like Wilkis and and his and Katie and Everett over um at the Raiders are fantastic equally uh, everybody over at the Niners as well they're they're just incredible and they like really look out for us um and really make sure that we have what we need that they're I mean, literally their job is communications, right? So um, Bob Lang over there is great. Uh, Cheese, as we call him. Um, I mean, there's so many folks over at at the Niners as well who are fantastic. So it's just, it's, I kind of, I'm not going to lie. Now that I'm in studio, I do miss hanging out with like, you know, my, my team friends. Like they're, you, you, you can't avoid sort of building that bond because they're working these like crazy hours there's like news coming up on on all times of night and they're they're right there like a text away making sure that we have everything we need so it's always good to know that those people have your back too um and are there to help you do your job as efficiently as possible yeah totally and uh with football players i would imagine that there's a wide range of personalities across the league (laughs) yeah for sure it's pretty clear that in order to play football in the NFL at that level, you have to be kind of crazy. So who are like the real entertainers that you've gotten to know in your young career? Oh, oh man. I mean, George Kittle, right? That goes without saying. Um, he's definitely one of those unforgettable characters. And like what you see on the field is who he is in real life. He's just very charismatic, very outgoing, and and just like a real cool, chill dude. You know who's someone like, and, and we'll just take it back to like sort of like the Bay Area teams while we're while we're talking about it. But like Jalen Richard over on um, the Raiders is hysterical. He's super super funny, really really interesting cat. 
Um, but I think that's like one of the things that I really enjoyed about being a reporter, like just out at the facilities, having like open locker room sessions is you really get to see a different side of these guys. So many people tend to look at these players as sort of two dimensional, um, beings, right? Like, Oh, X's and O's just out on the field where the Jersey make the plays. That's all I want to see. But these are human beings. These are men who have full lives, who are really interested in different things. Um, like D Ford, for example, on the Niners, he's like a fantastic musician. I think he plays like three or four instruments, has a full um, like music studio in his house, plays the piano. Um, so it's, it's really cool to sort of see what these guys are into outside of football um, and, and to get to see their personalities. That does sound like a lot of fun. I had no idea that D Ford was a musical savant. He I is. did not know anything about Jalen Richard, so now I'm going to have to root for him. Uh, the only thing I would ever say about Jalen Richard is my family just does this really weird thing where we combine people's names. So I would combine uh, the Raiders and Niners by saying Jalen Richard Sherman. Um, (laughs) That's about all I know. But now I know that he's hysterical and I'll probably be happier when he gets in the end zone than I will for Josh Jacobs. No, Josh Jacobs is real cool for the record. Like he's a very, very cool, very humble very humble guy. I try not to say kid because, you know, they're so much younger than me, although it doesn't look that way. But like, um, he plays like a, a, a whole man, to be clear out there. He is just an absolute beast mode at all times. But he is very, very chill. Uh, very, very um, charismatic dude as well. Yeah, from what I know about Josh Jacobs and his story, I have a lot of respect for him as well. Mm-hmm. My roommate is probably more obsessed just because he has him on his fantasy team. And he talks about it like six days a week. And I'm like, okay, we get it. Like you got a running back. That's awesome. I got Aaron Jones. I don't need to talk about it every single day. But <laughs> I can't even talk about fantasy, but I can't also just to wrap up that whole topic on charismatic guys. There's no one more colorful right now in the NFL than Cam Jordan. I mean, he is just like a one man show everywhere he goes. It's hysterical. He helped my husband and I plan our first, elopement idea um and he and his wife were just i mean we we barely got through the episode because we could not stop laughing they were so so funny um so there's a lot of there's a lot of really interesting characters across the nfo wow that's really cool uh i got to meet cam jordan like i think it was eighth grade it was a while ago oh my gosh he was he was really funny uh but mostly what i was thinking about was just that he was a cal alum because when you get raised in my family, you're just brainwashed for that to be like the immediate thought. Absolutely. Every time I'm like, oh, he went to the U. So I get it. I feel you. Yeah, that's fair. It's uh, College sports is, I'm not going to call it a cult, but it seems like a better word than a lot of other words. It's it's very niche oriented. We'll, we'll say that. Yeah, we'll leave it. I like that. I like that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, so... Who knows if the season's even going to finish? I've been skeptical from day one. They Don't seem you put to that juju on us, Greg. No. <laughs> yeah, 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 I won't. No, uh, no podcasters jinx here, if that's even no. a thing. But if we are to make it into 2021, what is your way too early Super Bowl matchup prediction? Uh, I mean, initially at the start of this ridiculous season, my prediction was um, – 
49ers and Ravens. But now, given the slew of injuries on the Niners and the fact that Patrick Mahomes has taught me don't ever pick against me like I did last week, um, learn my lesson real quick. I'm a quick study. Um, I, I mean, I, I can't even see a possibility where, first of all, the Chiefs are in minimum in the playoffs, right? Um, and I can definitely see them as it stands right now, four weeks in, um, making, you know, a back-to-back return um, to the Super Bowl. It's not unprecedented. On the other side of it, though, on the NFC side, it's it really is sort of a very interesting year in that conference. Um, but it would be cool if, like, the Seahawks got there. Yeah, the Seahawks look pretty nice. I obviously have a lot of... Uh, grievances against that franchise. I respect them, <laughs> respect the hell out of them. But as a Packers fan, I, I just had so much heartbreak there. Um, but yeah, Russell Wilson looks awfully scary. And if the secondary and the front four can just hold up just well enough, just well enough. healthy, yep. they could definitely be in the Super Bowl for sure. So what we'll do you see. think? What do you think about like uh, like the Rams? I know they're trying to have a bounce back season. Obviously, my Packers look somewhat impressive aside from yeah, the they fact do. that they can't tackle. <laughs> a small detail there. Um, what I think about the Rams, you know, I, they came out this season just absolutely like guns blazing, right? And we were like, oh, okay, Sean McVay, we back. I see you. Um, but then they went up against the Bills and Josh Allen sort of like shook them around a bit. I don't know if that's more of a testament to how Josh Allen is playing out of his mind this year or if there's just really still a lot more things to, to sort of work out, little kinks there. But the Rams are a team I never discount, especially when their offense is clicking. Uh, Cooper Cup is back and he's healthy. I think um, Jared Goff and Sean McVay have, have showed us once again that they still have that connection and they can get get the offense rolling. Um, and of course they have Aaron Donald on the other side of the ball at defense. So like that's not to put like the entire defense on one guy, right? Because there are other major playmakers there. But um, I just think it's, it's, it's one of those teams that you have to sort of see how, how we're doing after like week eight, nine um, to really get a pulse on it. Um, I'm, I'm still sort of like, all right, show me, show me what's happening. Show me what you got here. But they're always interesting and they're always fun to watch. They are really fun to watch. And I am kind of, I mean, I don't have anything against Todd Gurley, but I'm glad that he's out of there just because it seemed like they were walking on eggshells at times right. and having to get him his touches. And yeah. it's a little bit of a new look offense. They got a new defensive coordinator and Brandon yep. Staley. So it is interesting. Honestly, I'm totally fine with you putting the entire defense on one guy in Aaron Donald because <laughs> That guy is seriously something else. I made a joke last weekend that, you know, when Josh Allen got that face mask penalty, I was like, well, if you have Aaron Donald running at you, you should be allowed to just grab someone's face mask. Right. And I mean, yeah, at that point, it's like just self-preservation. <laughs> I agree. But respect to Josh Allen for somehow trying to keep every single play alive. I feel like mm-hmm. if I was a Bills fan, I'd get a lot of anxiety out of it. But Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah, but he's making it work so far. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, any, uh, let's see, do you have any, any dark horse teams that have just grabbed your attention so far? I know it is really early. Yeah, I don't know that we can call them a dark horse when you have DeAndre Hopkins on your roster, but like the Cardinals have really shown thus far that they are a contender, that they can really get out there, that um, 
Kyler Murray can do more than just scamper and run. Although, man, he gets out there and just rattles defenses. He jukes them out. And I mean, he is just such a fantastic mobile quarterback. It's it's fascinating to watch him. But uh, what he and D Hop are doing, I think Cliff Kingsbury is a very intelligent coach. Um, and it's they're in to me probably the toughest division in the league. Uh, and they're really making everybody work for it. So I think that's that's a team to to continue to watch. I think they're going to con- like sneakily just just keep just keep pounding at it. So I mean, I think the Seahawks are sort of like their biggest their biggest threat at the moment in that division. But I, I really like watching the Arizona Cardinals this year. Yeah, I'll admit that I was a little skeptical on the whole Cardinals thing, partially because of how good their division was. Mm-hmm. But when they got Hopkins, everyone was like, oh, Kyler Murray, MVP. And I'm just like, okay, okay, slow down, slow down. Right, uh, relax. But through three weeks, even though they did just lose to the Lions, they have looked really good. Yeah. Kyler Murray, in my opinion, just needs to be a little bit more calm. Like sometimes he just kind of pulls the trigger on little decisions when it's like, all right, you don't have to do that right here. Just take care of the ball kind of thing. Right. Well, I think his offensive line needs to protect him a little better for sure. Um, I thank God that he's he's just quick on his feet and he can run and scramble. But um, I think he does need to get more comfortable in the pocket and rely a little bit more uh, on that as well. I agree with you. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't think I've ever seen a young quarterback with a bad offensive line just have a lot of success. I mean, I guess Russell Wilson early on in his career, his offensive right. line wasn't great and he made it work. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, even Aaron Rodgers had a pretty terrible offensive line in his first year of starting so listen they're two and one and kyler murray is a big reason why honestly oh yeah definitely i mean i think lamar is i think it's very safe to say best running quarterback in the league but kyler is pretty close to just right totally and i mean lamar has the edge obviously because of his size right but like yeah so i think they're right there they're like one and one a Cliff Kingsbury also, you said he's a very good coach. I think he's also a very good-looking coach, just fair to say. <laughs> he's like the Ryan Gosling of coaches, and I only say that because of draft and his ridiculous setup at that house. I was like, what are they filming, like, The Bachelor at his house? It was fantastic. Everyone's there, like, dogs and kids running around, and there's Cliff with loafers on and no socks, just, like, relaxing in, like, this lap of luxury. It was the best thing. That was so perfect, though. It was just... I mean, I couldn't have uh, created a better image myself. I like that Bachelor <laughs> comparison. Yes, yes. Maybe they should film the next season of The Bachelor, uh, when safe, of course, at right. Kingsbury's house. I kind of like that. I don't know that he wants that juju in his house. Yeah, maybe during the off season. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He seems to buy the revenue streams, just rent it out to The Bachelor. I like it. <laughs> he seems like a guy that could go for a little drama here and there. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't know him like that but maybe while we're on the topic of good looking because you spent a lot of time with the Niners, is there anybody more attractive in the league than Jimmy G that? No, it just doesn't. It doesn't exist. When you're talking to other grown men and they're like, Jimmy G is the most handsome man I've ever seen. I mean, that tells you everything. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's just, it's unreal. Like he's very, about, you're talking about my father because that pretty much comes. Well, your dad? Is that a direct quote? I love it. I was talking about like George Kittle says that all the time. Other reporters, like male reporters, tell me um, 
funny enough, like I think people assume that like most of my girlfriends are asking me about um, Jimmy G and it's mostly dudes who are like, man, is he really that handsome? Like, how do we compete? I'm like, dude, just don't just carry on, carry on your life. Just don't even try. Yeah, no, I wouldn't try. I, I feel like that guy is out of my league and this would be like on my best day. <laughs> Gregory, do not sell yourself short. No, I don't think it's really about selling myself short. It's more just, I can't like, you know, I'm not Michael Phelps, okay? I'm never going to like, never going to swim in the same pool as Michael Phelps. Uh, oh my God, this is taking a turn. It really has. Okay, all right, back <laughs> back to normal topics. Um, I guess we kind of already touched on this, but to anyone who listens to this, what is your advice for anybody trying to pursue a career in a field of sports or broadcasting or journalism or just anything related? Yeah, um, I would say it's three-pronged, right? You have to prepare as if you're cramming for finals like every day of your life. For me, I just feel like research um, and preparation is such a huge part of this about really knowing the intricacies of who you're covering, of what's happening around the league, you have to consume it um, pretty regularly to, because it changes and so many things are happening and there's so many mediums now. It's not just like, oh, we're waiting for a press conference to see what's going on. Like you have to sort of stay on top of it. And does it get exhausting? Yeah, a little bit sometimes, but you know, it's sort of part of the gig. And if you're in this, it's because you, you, you're sort of already a sports nerd to begin with, right? Like you like looking at this stuff and you like reading the articles, but it really is a huge part of the job. I think too is having very thick skin just because there are far more L's than there are wins in it. Um, you know, I think people see me now, you know, and they see like, wow, total access and all of this stuff, but they don't see, you know, over a decade of work and blood, sweat and tears that I put into um, perfecting my craft and, and getting to this point. And then three would just be to always be learning and evolving. You know, now I'm in a completely new role um, and I'm learning things all over again about how the workflow goes for this type of show, about connecting with the analysts and about covering teams in a completely different um, scope of work. So it's, it's exciting because I get to sort of reinvent what my career is now. Um, and that's the part that I look forward to the most. But you have to be willing to change and evolve and grow at every step. Um, and, and do so quickly sometimes. So those would be the three things. Yeah, I think this offseason alone is a pretty great example of exactly. learning how to evolve quickly. But I love all of that. That sounds uh, about what I would imagine, but said much more eloquently than <laughs> anybody could have. So kind of a little bit random, but how do you feel about next-gen stats? Like, I know that's becoming more of a focus around the league Mm -hmm. And people like you are incorporating them into discussions and shows. Yeah. What do you actually think of the whole thing? I think it's so far out of my purview. I can't even, I mean, I thank God we have them to sort of filter it down and put it in layman's terms. Um, Cynthia Freeland, who is our analytics expert at the network, has made me love statistics even more because the way she presents these numbers and it's really telling stories through stats um, to the point where now I have a, a segment every week on Mondays with sort of the most fascinating stats of the week called Go Figure. Um, and we we sort of tell three really incredible stories, obscure stories through the statistics. Um, so I think when you look at people like Next Gen who have been do doing that, telling stories of these teams through the statistics, it's really incredible how they do it every single day. I don't know that I could just look at numbers all day. That's why I talk for a living instead. 
but <laughs> it, it definitely adds a different context and a different texture um, to, and, and a different like sense of credibility, right. To what we're talking about and how we look at these teams um, ahead of each matchup. By the way, I have seen a couple of go figures and I'm a big, big fan. Yay, so thanks. <laughs> fun segment. I'm glad that you have a positive view toward the whole thing and realizing uh, if I was in your position, I would probably like it much more as well. I think I have one serious issue with it. And it's that when I'm watching Red Zone on NFL Game Pass, they flash little next-gen stats graphics here and there. Yep. The one that drives me insane is in the fourth quarter, you'll see win probability for a given team. And I'm like, I like I've never been a live projections person ever, especially in uh-huh. like fantasy football. You know, your receiver gets a 10-yard catch and all of a sudden you go from 40% chance of winning to 52. And right. I'm like, how does this make sense? Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> make it so, make sense. <laughs> like it's like, why do you think we watch sports? You know, like it's we're not like playing a computer game here, like trying to come up with the perfect simulation. Uh Ron Rivera, coach of Washington football team, love that name. Uh had a cool quote. <laughs> Last year, that was if analytics were perfect, everybody would be eight and eight. Oh, true. And Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I liked it too. And I just, that's kind of how I think of it. Like Seahawks Cowboys is a good example. The Seahawks had a win probability of like 52 or something. And then all of a sudden it was 36. And then they had right. the ball and it was 39. And then, uh, you know, I just turned to my roommate when that final interception was thrown like six seconds left and i'm like hey what do you think their win probability is so oh my god i don't know like i can you know see what's interesting that ab- thing is good, about but. that point is it's like so the analytics right are very pragmatic this is what it is based on what's happening in that time but there's also the human aspect of it like these are humans out on the field not little robots or or, or you know sims out there playing the game and so when like for example and i think the world of DK Metcalf. I think he is an unbelievable talent and just like a ridiculous player. But, you know, he gave up on a play and it cost them a touchdown, like literally right inches away from the end zone. And so I'm sure the analytics changed instantly in that moment because you're thinking, all right, DK Metcalf, amazing receiver, just got a perfect dime from Russell and he's headed towards the end zone. We're good, right? Boop, wrong. All of a sudden the split, second it changed and so those human aspects of it make it very interesting um on how the analytics change but i never thought i don't follow like win probability um because you're right like in the moment it changes from one second to the next but i think when you're looking at the trends in terms of a particular player a defense um a pass rush i think there's where it's the most helpful Yeah, that's a very fair point. I think I've always been drawn toward the human element of things. I mean, I spent most of last episode trashing the officiating in the Lakers Nuggets series, but I also (laughs) accept that there was the human error component of it. Like my family, I don't know if you're into international soccer at all, but when we would watch the World Cup, we were not fans of the whole VAR thing because it seemed to just go back and try to make it overly perfect and since soccer is so low scoring, when you award like a key red card or a penalty kick or something, it's just, it kind of like, I don't want to say it decides the game, but it really mm-hmm. felt like it did. And more often than not, it seemed to hurt the underdogs, which yeah. really sucked the excitement out of the whole thing. 
So yeah. I don't know. I've just always embraced, I don't want to say loved because it's a love-hate relationship, but I've definitely always embraced the human element of sports and just knowing that anything can happen and you might leave a scene super sad, but you could also be euphoric. Oh, Greg, that means you're a romantic. Look at you. You're uh, here for the story. I love it. Okay, guys, if there's one thing I learned today, it's that I am emotional. <laughs> yes. Tap into it, man. It's a super strength. Well, if you ever need to take a break from NFL Total Access, uh, you could be my therapist, I guess. Oh, no, sweetie. I, have, I, I need a therapist, Lord knows. It would be like the, lo- the blind leading the blind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I have taken so much of your time, and you've been fantastic. The many, many listeners of Potty Train Me know that we always do shout out to the That's a great name. Oh, so thank you. Good. I'm glad you oh. like it because when I first pitched it to one of my friends, his response was, are you five? And I was like, <laughs> tell him to stop hating. I like it. I think it's a fun play on words. Yeah, well, I'll tell him. I'll say I got the I got the MJ Acosta Ruiz approval. So boom, that's the... Uh, that's the ultimate medal of honor. <laughs> well, it is shout out time. Okay. MJ, I'm going to ask you first, are there any random shout outs you have on your mind today? Not, it's not random, but I do have to shout out my husband because Aww. it is just incredible. The amount of patience this man has and how supportive he is in all of this. Like this is, as you know, Greg, a crazy bananas career. Um, with a lot of twists and turns. And he has been my number one fan, my best supporter, my researcher at times, um, and just, you know, at my side at every turn, making sure that, um, you know, I can continue to succeed. So huge shout out to the Hubster. That is so sweet. Did you do that because you knew that I was a romantic? A little bit, a little bit. Oh, so smart. I knew it would tug at your heartstrings, yep. (laughs) Well, when I published this, this week, I will make sure that you have it so you can have him listen to, at the very least, that like one minute segment right there. Right. And then he can't say that I don't say nice things about him. Oh, yeah. No, never again. Never, <laughs> ever again. It's documented. Okay. Well, my shout out is a lot less serious and sweet, but I would like to shout out Billy Joe Armstrong, Mike Durnt, and Trey Cool, who are the members of the famous American rock band Green Day. Because nice. today is October 1st, and of course, one of their most famous songs is Wake yep. Me Up When September Ends. There now it that it is October 1st, I would just like to officially give them the wake-up call. Bay Area's finest. Yep, there you go. Bay Area's finest, indeed. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, JJ, who is not on this episode, had some good shout-out ideas, but I did not want to take them away from him because I thought mine <laughs> were much more ridiculous and less important. Oh my goodness. I love it. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode, but MJ, thank you so much. You are the best. Thank you, Greg. Anytime. I know that she's got a lot more important things to deal with right now, but check her out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific time on NFL Network and on Thursdays after the game because uh, I know no one wants to be watching Jets Broncos right now. So. <laughs> All right, we'll have more coming for you soon, but in the meantime, take it easy. See ya. Bye.